Hello, and welcome to the Voice of Democracy podcast. I am your host, Bruce Carter. In this podcast, you will hear intriguing and thoughtful interviews, as well as actionable tips and strategies that can be implemented either in your institution, health and wellness, and education. Our podcast, either by name recognition or being famous, everyone has untapped potential. In today's fast-changing landscape, demands nation leaders who can quickly adapt, build trust, and deliver value. Through people and technology, we're listening and providing insight on tough political and business challenges, including talent, transformation, geopolitical conflicts, pandemics, and social injustice. In this podcast series, Voice of the Marks will offer insights to help you tackle today's challenges and prepare for tomorrow. Through social change, we will be the voice of democracy, American promise, global mission. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now, let's jump into your daily dose of Voice of Democracy. Today's highlight will focus on the economic growing gap between the rich and the poor. First, let me open by saying this. Who are you at the end of the month? Are you the one contemplating a weekend getaway or investing in a new business venture? Or are you the one figuring out how to pay off a mounting credit card bill? Maybe you are neither, but this is certain. The chasm between Americans uber wealthy and the everyday worker isn't just wide. It is expanding, and it's time to have a conversation about it. So, let's get started. The coronavirus pandemic... The coronavirus pandemic has worsened the massive financial gap between the rich and the poor around the world. A new report has found. The report says the global billionaires a couple years ago, even to now, have enjoyed the steepest increase in their share of wealth since the world inequality. The report stated that Back in 1995, according to the research group analysis, which was released um, a year a year ago, that the wealthy net grew more than 3.6 trillion, and this was around when the coronavirus had started. It was in 2020, which was boosting their share of global household wealth to 3.5 percent. At that time, the pandemic pushed about 100 million people into extreme poverty, raising the global total to 711 million in 2021. This was according to the World Bank, which estimated um, the analysis. Even more people would have fallen into poverty had many developed nations not enacted a relief effort to shield their residents from the financial fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. This goes back to why here in America, they was giving out the stimulus package to help soften that blow. The COVID crisis has exacerbated inequalities between the very wealthy and the rest 
of the population, according to one expert. Yet, in rich countries, government intervention prevented a massive rise in poverty. This was not in the case in poor countries. The World Inequality Report, based on more than four years of work by more than 100 researchers around the globe, longtime inequality experts said from the University of California, Berkeley, that between the rich and the poor, the world has been unequal. Financial deregulation, privatization, and less progressive taxation in richer countries and large-scale privatization in emerging economics has helped boost the fortunes of the wealthy in recent decades. The report said, global inequality is close to where it was at the peak of the Western imperialism in the, 20th, in the early 20th century. Noted, the work that we've been doing really shows that, in fact, these claims or this ideal or trickle-down economics does not pass the scrutiny of data, according to one expert. For the past 40 years of data is that the cuts in top tax rates have not triggered prosperity for all as they were supposed to trigger. The report recommend leaving, levying a tax on the wealthy to generate revenue that, govern, that governments can use to reduce inequality and invest and invest in education and health and the ecological measures. In the U.S., some Democrats recently floated a plan to tax billionaires to pay their proposed, proposed social safety net expansion, but the effort quickly faded. According to some other polls that I, I have read, is that the global wealth and income gaps are huge. The richest 10% of the global population controls 76% of the world's wealth in 2021. By contrast, the bottom 50% owns a mere 2%. The middle class, 40%. Meanwhile, the remaining owns 22%. When it comes to income, the top 10% capture 52% of the global income, while the bottom 50% earns only 8%. The middle 4% makes up, makes around 39%. The rich is getting even wealthier. The top 1% captured 38% of the global wealth, growing between 1995 and 2021, according to the data. While the bottom 50% secured just 2%, the report found. The fortunes of the wealthy expanded at a much faster rate, between 3% and 9% per year during that period. But the poorest half saw their wealth grow only between 3% and 4% per year. And since they own very little wealth, the overall amount did not rise much. The wealth gap varies greatly by region. The report came and showed that in Latin America has the largest divide between the top 10%, which controls 7% of the wealth, and the bottom 50%, which owns a scant 1%. And in Europe, has the smallest gap. The top 10% owns 58% of total wealth versus 4% of the bottom 50%. The large number of public programs are available to low-income and middle-class residents, including free education, health care, and culture, are among the reasons why Europe is less unequal society, according to a report. Europe, with its very generous system of access to public services, has been able to fare 
to retain the rise of inequalities, whereas the U.S. has not been as much able to do so over the past decades. The global income divide has narrowed a bit, but remains high. The global income gap, which accounts for earnings such as wages, salaries, interest, and dividends, has declined somewhat since 1980. As China and some other large developing countries catch up with North America and Europe. Average income have been increasing faster in China and in India, in Brazil, in the emerging world, than in Europe and in the USA, according to the report. Because of this effect, you have a re reduction of global inequalities between those who live in China and those who live in other parts of the world. The average income of the total 10% was 38 times higher than that of the bottom 50% in 2020, compared to 50, 53 times higher in 1980. However, the current level is comparable to the income gap in 1910, when the average income of the global top 10% was 41 times higher. But even with average incomes on the rise in emerging nations such as China and India, inequality within these countries has increased. This has really slowed progress in terms of reduction of global inequalities, according to a report from the World Bank. And this also has slowed progress in terms of reduction of poverty. The World Bank study adjusts incomes in countries to account for differences in the cost of goods and services, a practice known as purchasing power parity. Much of the report's data focus on income inequality before taxes and government benefits transfers, and the researchers also examined the impact of these factors on the gap. They found that while taxes and transfers modestly reduce inequality, the divide remains extremely high in regions that works already very unequal. Case in point. The United States cannot prosper and remain a vigorous democracy when so few have so much and so many have so little. While many of, of congressional colleagues here in the U.S. chooses to ignore it, the issue of income and wealth inequality is one of the great moral, economic, and political crises that American faces. And it, and it must be dealt with. The unfortunate reality is that we are moving rapidly toward an algorithm form of society where handful of billionaires have enormous wealth and power while working families have struggling in a way we have not seen since the Great Depression. The situation has been exacerbated by the pandemic. However, today, half of our people in America are living paycheck to paycheck. Vibrant thousand of the very poorest among U.S. are homeless. Millions are worried about evictions. 92 million are unassured or, or unassured and families are across the country are worried about how they are going to feed their kids. Today, an entire generation of young people carry an outrageous level of student debt and faces the reality that their standard of living will be lower in their parents and most obscenely low-income Americans now have a life expectancy that is about 15 years lower than the wealthy. 
Poverty in America has become a death sentence. Meanwhile, the people on the top have never had it so good. The top 1% now own more wealth than the bottom 92%. And the 50th wealthiest Americans own more wealth than the bottom half of American society. 165 million people, while millions of Americans have lost their jobs and incomes during the pandemic, over the past year, 650 billionaires have seen their wealth increase by 1.3 trillion. The growing gap, the growing gap between the very rich and everyone else is nothing new. Over the past 40 years, there has been a massive transfer of wealth from the middle class and the working families to the very wealthiest people in America. In 1978, the top 0.1% owned about 7% of the nation's wealth. In 2019, the latest year of data available, they own nearly 20%. Unbelievable. The two richest people in America, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, now own more wealth than the bottom 40% of Americans combined. If income inequality had not skyrocketed over the past four decades and had simply stayed static, the average working worker, excuse me, in America would be earning $42,000 more in income each year. Instead, as corporate chief executives now make over 300 times more than their average employees, the average American worker now earns $32 a weekly less than he or she did 48 years ago. After adjusting for inflation, in other words, despite huge increases in technology and productivity, ordinary workers are actually losing ground. Addressing income and wealth and inequality would not be easy because we would be taking on some of the most powerful and well-financed entities in the country, including Wall Street, the health insurance industry, the drug companies, the fossil fuel industry, and the military industrial complex. But it must be done. Here are some of the here's some of what Congress and the President can do in the very near future. Case in point, some states have already done this. We must raise minimum wages from the current starvation wage of seven seven dollars twenty five cents an hour to a living wage of at least fifteen dollars an hour. A job should lift workers out of poverty, not keep them in it. We do, we need to make it easier not harder for workers to join unions. The massive increase in wealth and income inequality can be directly linked to the decline in union membership in America. And again, this is, could be arguable, debated, but the facts are the facts. We need to create millions of good paying jobs rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure, our roads, bridges, wastewater plants, sewer, culverts, dams, schools, and affordable housing. We need to combat climate change by fundamentally transforming our energy system away from fossil fuels toward energy efficiency and renewable energy, which will also create millions of good paying jobs. However, we can't just immediately come off of this we have to phase it in because we don't want people who are currently living in areas like West Virginia who focus solely on coal to just cut coal off altogether and then you have people unemployed. So this must be a phased in process. 
We need to do what virtually every other major country does by guaranteeing health care to all people as a human right. This is something we can do immediately. Passing the Medicare for All program would end the absurdity of us paying twice as much per capita for health care as do people in other countries. While tens of millions of Americans are uninsured or underinsured, we need to make certain that all of our young people, regardless of income, have the right to high quality education, including college. And that means making public colleges and university tuition free and substantially reducing student debt for working families. Is this reality? We can try. There are certain states, certain schools who have started that process. We need to take a, a model example and use it. And yes, we need to make the wealthiest people and most probable corporations in America start paying their fair share of taxes. Now, what does that mean? Narrow the loopholes. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Thank God for being able to get wealth here in America, but we need to remove the loopholes because the marginal tax rate versus the effective rate is totally, is vast different. When you got corporations and wealthy are paying around, you know, 20%, 22, maybe 25 that of the taxes, that's, 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 we can do better. So in my closing, growing income and wealth inequality is not just an economic issue. It touches the very foundation of American democracy. If the very rich become much richer while millions of worker, working people see their standard of living continue to decline, faith in government and our democratic institutions will wither and support for authoritarianism will increase. We cannot let this happen. For more to read, I publish an article in media.com. It's a good article. You can read the article. It's called Economic Divide, The Growing Gap Between Billionaires and Middle Class. This post was brought to you by the People First Consulting Voices of Democracy. For more information about People First Consulting Voices of Democracy, please visit our website at www.pfcworks.com. Today's message podcast came to you for American Promise, a global mission. Thanks for tuning in and listening today. Until next time, please be safe, stay informed, and live well.